0: My brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from the one in whom we live and move and have our being, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For what do we thank God for, Gabriel and Elias? I ask my two boys before bed. At ages 2, 3, and 4, I would hear some of these following responses. I thank God for... Toys, for books, for food, my Paw Patrol Band Aid, and my blankie. But even as toddlers, they would always thank God for Jesus. For my oldest Gabriel, he would milk this question for all it would, was worth in order to simply delay bedtime. After 15 to 20 minutes of thanking God for anything and everything he could think of, including the furnace, I kid you not, it was time to say, Amen already. (laughs) And now that my boys are seven and five, they are thankful for Pokemon, football, and candy, but they are also thankful for stars. Family and home. Without fail, they continue to thank God for Jesus. There is one in our gospel reading today who thanks Jesus. It is a unique story to the Gospel of Luke. On the surface, it seems like a simple tale of healing, yet by being attentive to the text, we discover the richness. An incredible grace of this living Word that is not chained. The scene is set on the way to Jerusalem. This journey starts way back in Luke, chapter 9, when Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, towards the cross, towards death. And he finally arrives at his triumphal entry in chapter 19. And all throughout these 10 chapters, Jesus is on the road, on the move, telling parables, healing and teaching people, and doing what Jesus often does, which is get in hot water with religious leaders when he doesn't wash his hands before eating and when he heals people on the Sabbath day. And often there are crowds of observers or disciples that need to be taught or critics who try and entrap Jesus, but not in today's story. The gospel focuses simply on Jesus and 10 lepers. And Jesus meets these suffering ones somewhere between Samaria and Galilee, a marginal location for who the world says to be marginal people. They see and approach Jesus, yet keep their distance, for they're not allowed by the law to get close to anyone else without malformation, for there was fear of contagion and spread of uncleanliness. What this means is that if a father had a skin disease... He would be with the other nine that were also cast out of their homes and communities. Instead of being home with his children, or his spouse, or parents, he wouldn't be able to hug them or care for them in any way. It would be like living as though he were dead he and the other nine would be this walking reminder to all of death. And what does society do to these ones who remind us of our own mortality? Out of sight, out of mind, right? So these ten, keeping the law and their distance, cry out with all the hope that they can muster, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus sees them. When so many others do not and do not want to, he simply speaks his word. Go and show yourselves to the priests. What an interesting response for a request for mercy. But Jesus knows that they cannot fully be welcomed back into their homes and communities until this part of the law in Leviticus is fulfilled. Isolation ends only when a priest declares one clean. So, all ten of them start to put one foot in front of the other, trusting that something will happen along the way. And while they went, they were made clean. Nine of them keep right on going and do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. They go to the priest. But one, noticing that he was healed, turns back, praising God with a loud voice. All ten were made clean, but only one recognizes that Jesus is the source of, this, of the healing. And he prostrates himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him. In essence, he worships Jesus And the Greek word for thanks in verse 16 is Eucharisteo. What does that sound like to you? Eucharist. Eucharisteo is used twice in Luke chapter 22 in the upper room as Jesus gives thanks over the cup and the bread with his friends right before his betrayal and crucifixion. Curiously enough, in this gospel reading, Luke makes an extra effort to clearly communicate the one who praises God is a Samaritan. Jesus calls him a foreigner. As John Buchanan writes in his commentary on Feasting on the Word, Samaritans were a despised group, culturally inferior, theological and liturgical heretics. (laughs) Pretty strong, yeah? So what is Luke saying to us, telling us twice that this person is an outsider? How is this gospel challenging the hearers of this story, including you and me here today, to reconsider who... God's mercy is for. This story makes it incredibly clear that an outsider has faith, and it makes him well. It saves him. He trusts Jesus' word, and he responds in faith to what God in Christ has done for him. Stories of healing both inside and out, are powerful. It invites us to think about the ways that each of us has been healed by God in our own right. It beckons us to reflect upon when we have prayed for wellness and received it. What was your response to the gift of healing? Stories of healing can also well up in our own selves, questions and thoughts, such as, I have prayed and prayed and prayed for healing, and I still suffer. Or do I not have enough faith that I remain unwell? I have a beloved family member that since, who since adolescence has greatly suffered from obsessive-compulsive disorder and schizophrenia, she has asked me in her decades of exhaustion and sorrow, why does God let me suffer, Renee? Why hasn't God healed me? I pray every day to be made well, and I'm not well. Why? What can one say? to these honest, raw, and very real, and faithful questions. They strip us bare to the bone and leave us in a very vulnerable predicament, for you and I are creatures subject to death and decay, and never are we more aware of this state than when we are ill in mind, body, or spirit. And all we are able to muster along with these ten broken ones in our broken condition is Jesus' master. Have mercy on us. Yet this is the catalyst for the gospel, is it not? When we come to know without a doubt that our good works, our status, our wealth, our sound theology will not save us. In the words of Martin Luther on his deathbed, he says, we are all beggars. With empty hands, you and I can then be filled up with the grace and mercy of God, not because of what you've done or who you are, but because of who God is. God simply and profoundly loves you forgives you. And Timothy writes, God is simply faithful, even when we are not. And this is what I have been able to say to my aunt from the depth of my soul, because I know it to be true. So whether you and I receive healing, like we hope for in this life or the next, Christ has already died and rose from the grave for you. God is always working in death to bring life, always making things new, because that is the nature of God. And this is what has been revealed to us in and through Jesus Christ. And for this good news, our lives are this constant outpouring of Eucharisteo, of thanksgiving. Expressions of gratitude are not just for five- and seven-year-olds before bed. (laughs) Theologian Kimberly Bracken Long writes this, to practice gratitude intentionally changes an individual life. It also changes the character of a congregation. When Christians practice gratitude, they come to worship not to just get something out of it, but to give thanks and praise to God. We begin worship, admitting that we are beggars. We ask and long for mercy, Kyrie eleison. We receive forgiveness and we sing Gloria, Alleluia springs forth from our lips when we hear the gospel, Christ's word for us today. We confess our faith and we lift up our prayers For a world in need. And we offer back to God what God has first given us as we set the table, this Eucharisteo table of thanksgiving, as it's set. And we come forward, forgiven people of God, hands outstretched, to take Christ's very body and blood into ourselves as we are sent back into a world to be ministers of reconciliation. This is our pattern in worship. And we trust that God works healing in each of us, seen and unseen, through worship and praise and the means of grace in baptism and Holy Communion. Martin Luther, in his explanation of the first article of the Creed, sums it up well when he writes this. I believe that God has created me and all that exists God has given me and still preserves my body and soul with all their powers. God provides me with food and clothing, home and family, daily work, and all I need from day to day. God also protects me in times of danger and guards me from every evil. All this God does out of fatherly and divine goodness and mercy, though I do not deserve it. Therefore, I surely ought to thank and praise and serve and obey God. And classic Martin Luther, this is most certainly true. And for this day, we say, thanks be to God. Amen.